Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's up, dude? Not much, man. Good to be here. Yeah, we've got a uh, conversation with Charles McDonald of For the Win, which is part of the uh, USA Today Network. He's a senior writer over there, but also a longtime Falcons fan and a big fan of Ovi, as you guys will will hear. So now I know why you wanted to come and uh, talk with us. So (laughs) that'll be the bulk of today's podcast, which is presented by Bet Online. But first, Ovi and I are we want to talk about kind of like the Tom Brady rumors. (laughs) We are recording this. Sunday afternoon, you guys are hearing this, you know, Monday morning or whenever you're listening to it. Uh, so Saturday, Adam Schefter tweets out that Tom Brady is going to retire after 22 years. Not a small um, tweet. Not, not a small tweet <laughs> at all. <laughs> not a small tweet. You know, this is this is one you maybe read twice before you hit send, right? Yes. Maybe, maybe it's one of those. <sighs> um, so then that kind of leads to a little bit of a chain reaction of kind of everybody just assuming like Adam Adam's never wrong on stuff yeah. like this. It'd be like Woj, you know, it's a Woj bomb. It's a, it's a Schefter bomb. So he you assume that it's happened. So that led to Tom Brady's uh, like kind of company, I guess, like his, you know, people who handle his affairs. Right. Yeah. Like they tweet out uh, like a congratulations uh, and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Like people who were kind of associated with Tom how Brady would they not know some, right so that's what like the nfl put out a, a big tweet that was like thank you like tom brady the goat all of this stuff it's like the nfl world acted as though Schefter was completely i accurate. missed that part <laughs> yeah which was the funniest part about all of it so then kind of a few hours pass and we hear like tom brady has said nothing to this point and we start hearing that that tom kind of has said i've given no I'm nowhere near making that type of decision he gets in touch with Tampa Bay with you know the the GM Jason liked over there and is just like no I'm I'm nowhere close to making a decision and I'll let you guys know when I do so now everybody's kind of like well what's happening what's your take on this whole situation because obviously Sean Payton is out of the NFC South If, if Tom Brady is too that radically kind of changes the outlook for the 2022 season um, really in the Falcons favor. So what do you make of the Tom Brady stuff? It's uh, an extreme radical change in NFC South, but you know, being someone who's played uh, on the football field and someone who is uh, part of your ilk where I work (laughs) in the sports caster, sports analyst, you know, media world, I do know the importance of, you know, having, Dibs on the first. We were the first one, first reporter here. And so <laughs> Schefter and Woj and, you know, these, these you know, stalwarts in the media industry, they usually don't say stuff like this unless they have a really solid source. And it's just strange to me that, um, you know, guys like Tom Brady, Ray Lewis, Peyton Man, when they retire the bus, they do it with a coordination so that mm-hmm. everyone's on the same page. And if Tom Brady's going to retire and you feel comfortable enough to know that Tom Brady's retiring, whatever – his wife, you know, his son, like his trainer, whoever told you this information, whoever your source is, should have probably made sure that Tom was okay with saying that. Because yeah. we, we all have this, uh, or a couple of the uh, my close friends feel like, Tom Brady might just come back to spite Adam Schefter. 
Because I, I was going to say, if, if, true. if yeah. Tom Brady comes back next season, immediately I am putting all of my money on whatever the Bucks' odds are at that time. Like, no. this is a man on the mission. Like, you, I will come win an eighth just to spite you, and I'm putting yes. that ring on my middle finger. Like, you don't tell me when I'm going to retire. I yeah. announce the news. I am Tom Brady. I am Giselle's husband. We're and talking about me. Um, uh, somebody who literally has a show called Man in the Arena airing on Fox like throughout the football season that he if he's going to retire he's probably going to tell you on his terms that being said like that I don't I can't imagine that Adam Schefter is just completely wrong wrong yeah like there's he has something exactly and whether if if Tom Brady ultimately in two months decides to retire you know, I think that that should let Adam off of the hook. And right now he's like, on the hook. He's being he's, left out to dry and people yes. are coming for and at him. And I, I get it in a certain sense. If you didn't know who he was and how he's conducted himself his whole career for the most part. But people are coming at Adam, especially the Tom Brady fanatics. They do not like him spoiling <laughs> Tom's moment because, you know, even if this is true, Tom obviously wanted to have his moment, but that's not the world we live in, Tommy. That, that the, with a TMZ celebrity, this celebrity, that you know, you want to announce your baby come in, you want to announce your engagement, you want to announce whatever. Sorry, you better get that stuff under tighter wraps because the world's going to announce it before you do. They get a tip, and he got a tip from somewhere that made him feel comfortable that the backlash, wherever it may be, will come around and say that hey, Adam Schefter was right. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. It was so funny because I I noticed uh, I, I've got I've got his notifications just kind of on on my Twitter like they, they it will notify me when he tweets. Same here. Um, so I just started noticing that he was retweeting other tweets kind of like later last night, and so I just kind of clicked on one of the tweets that he retweeted, and the first like six comments were all like, "You can't hide from us, Adam. <laughs> Adam, we know what you're doing." They were starting to comment on other people's tweets. Because Adam retweeted kind of being like, we see you. We know what you're doing, dude. You can't hide from us forever. So Mm -hmm. I I hope, you know, like I hope he's vindicated in some way, or at least I hope we figure out what the hell happened. Happened. Um, Because his source, if that source gave him bad information, he's mad at that source. That's not even a thing like this. In that case, your source has to be Tom Brady or your source has to be his his direct agent like his yep. manager of 25 years who you've got a great relationship like it needs to be one of those two yeah. people you know like that that and that's why it's crazy but let's let's quickly talk about kind of the falcons angle to this if if tom brady is gone i mean where do you put the falcons then kind of in your early projections looking at 2022 now i should stipulate a lot can and will change between oh, yeah. now and then I, I kind of tweeted that this has been an offseason um, of addition by subtraction for the Falcons so far. But there will come a point where the Falcons are going to start subtracting and the yeah. other teams are going to start adding. And yep. then everything's going to be balanced out. But right now, kind of let's say Tom Brady's gone. Let's take the king off the chessboard. No Sean Payton, no Tom Brady. Where do you think the Falcons stack up? Number one, NFC South. Like You talked about this Ooh, last time. Okay. You know, and... You know, talk to Charles a little about the excitement of uh, just the Falcons fan, any fans looking for the best case scenario. We're going to be optimistic because that's what fans do. And uh, though the 10 and 7 for this season was too optimistic by me, 
uh, going into this year, I feel like without Sean Payton and without uh, Tom Brady, we have a chance to to win nine games, and that will be enough to win the NFC South because this is a team that has two really big figureheads that were responsible for several wins by themselves that will mm-hmm. not be there. So I, I feel good. I don't even feel like it's being you know too optimistic. I feel like it's being realistic to say that right now we're in the lead when it comes to uh, projections for the NFC South wins. Yeah, I mean, it, and the other thing that you have to look at, especially with Tampa Bay, because we all know the the Saints cap situation is just the worst in the league by like a mile. It's abysmal again this year. They're yeah. going to have to have to kind of sh- ship out some of their kind of key guys. Taysom Hill, you know, who knows what's like going to be there. That we, I struggle to think that kind of like, how is that an appealing job necessarily? Because there's just the team that you're thinking you're going to get is going to look so different once you have to go through a lot of stuff, kind of like it was here in Atlanta. But Tampa Bay is their entire offense are all free agents. Every yeah. single starting player on their offense is a free agent. So if you're losing Tom and, and if he is indeed going to retire, mm-hmm. how many of those guys kind of say, well, I came here to play with Tom Brady. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to play for Justin Herbert and in, in L.A. Like I, or I'm going to, you know, somewhere else, like go find greener pastures because you're allowed to leave now. You're a free yeah. agent. So it really will look very different, I think, um, at the start of the 2022 season. And maybe that is why the Falcons ultimately looked at the landscape last year and said, hey, if we can we can get through one season, everything could change. And, and mm-hmm. people may not be uh, there forever and they may not be in the same place. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But we hope you guys all stay in the same place for our conversation with Charles McDonald because it was really, really good. It was interesting to get his insight on the Falcons because he... Looks at the NFL from a national perspective, but obviously he still has ties to the uh, the hometown team here. So, all right, here we go. Let's get into it. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we all continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. And even though it's a new year, remember that Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. And since it's a new year, BetOnline has a new updated desktop and mobile website, which you can use to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. So whatever your sport of choice, football, basketball, hockey, UFC, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers and get in on the action this year. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. So remember, guys, BetOnline, where the game starts. Tom Brady is officially hanging it up. And while none of us will ever be able to play quarterback like the GOAT, you can invest like him. That's right. The GOAT invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. But now you can invest like him as well with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investment platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. They're the masters, and these are their works that you can invest in. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164%. I'm going to say that again, 164% from 1992 to 2021. What is that, 29 years by my count? Man, (laughs) 
That is the long haul. In fact, early investors already received an internal rate of return of over 30% in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. So Tom Brady may be walking off the field, but this is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the goats. So go to masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's masterworks.art slash B-L-E-A-V. And see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. But check out Masterworks, guys, and invest in the Masterworks. You may know him as a senior writer at For the Win, part of the USA Today Network. You may know him as the host of the Setting the Edge podcast, which came out of hibernation recently to uh, dunk on the Green Bay Packers uh, for their uh, untimely finish to the 2022 season. Or you may know him for having the greatest Twitter handle at Four Verts. It is Charles McDonald. What's up, man? Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, thanks for having me. I think that, you know, Eighth grade or ninth grade, me be freaking out about being on this podcast <laughs> right now with Ovi. Uh, so this is a this is a really cool uh, opportunity. And yeah, like you said, uh, my buddy Justice that I do the the podcast with, uh, he's a huge Packers fan. So you know, we have to get off the spaces at like twelve thirty in the morning to roast his ass <laughs> after that game. And he was a good sport about it. But yeah, that was like the first episode we just recorded out of the blue in like two years. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We're gonna be doing some more now that. Uh, we see that people are still engaging with it, I guess. There you go. Yeah, this is this is your warm up. But um, Ovi, dazzle him. Uh, eighth grade, ninth grade, time out. Like, am I that old or are you, you that young? Uh, what, when, I guess. I, I graduated right? high school in 2012. Dang. That was my oh, last shit, year. I was 2011. Yep, yep. That's what I'm saying. Wow. There you go. <laughs> right yes, Ovi. I'm, I'm old, man. God, yeah, you're babysitting over here. I think 28 this year, so I think I did age you a little bit right there. Well, it's all good, man. I, I had a fun time playing with the Falcons, and I appreciate the people that the few people who actually noticed that there's a fullback right in front of Michael Turner doing a whole lot of blocking to help him do what he did. But uh, yeah, cool, good stuff. Yeah. So, Charles, can you just take listeners uh, quickly through kind of your history as Falcons fan? It's you know you've obviously now gone on to have a national presence, but it's always really fun when you kind of dig back into the Falcons um, a little bit. So just walk us through, obviously, huge fan of Ovi and watch team growing up. Yeah, I, well, I was born in Decatur, so all my family is, they're all Falcons fans. But it's funny because when I was like five or six, like we had moved to Maryland. And like the first football team that I became, I guess, like, you know, obsessed with was that 2000 Ravens squad uh, that won the Super Bowl <laughs> against the Giants. <laughs> Uh, and then the next year, Michael Vick got drafted and yep. my dad took me to a game and I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, and it was history from there. You know, I, uh, you know, I definitely had some help from, you know, my uncle Tony, who took us to a game in Charlotte and we barked at uh, Panthers fans after the game in the street after Michael Vick scored some touchdowns to win. So, uh, you know, all the way basically from the first time I saw Michael Vick play up until now. They've been my squad. Uh, and, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot worse than that. A lot worse than that. Yeah, okay. But see, the, the thing that people don't mm-hmm. get about the Falcons is, like, it's not like rooting, like, for the Browns or... No, you know, it's, or the like Lions. That. Right. There's, there's, there's always enough to get you interested in watching or interested in having hope. Like, 
I'm not going to sit out and watch, not watch like 17 games of Kyle Pitts. Like, I'm not going to not watch Julio Jones or Michael Vick or Matt Ryan yeah. or Ovi, like these guys. Yeah, so. go. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, there's always just enough to keep you excited. And it honestly makes it hurt a little bit more. Like, I, when I was covering the Jets for the Daily News, they were like, oh, you you wouldn't even understand what the pain is like being a Jets fan. Like, And you wouldn't understand what the pain is like being a Falcons fan. And I think we can legitimately argue which one is worse. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because that's the biggest thing, right? It's it's always getting, you know, maybe not like to the the 28 to 3 Super Bowl, maybe not like that bad, but on any given year, usually like one of the four teams is in the playoffs kind of making a fun push. They've got they've never lacked stars. This city has right. never lacked for for good players on their teams. It's always just the players don't make their plays when they need to, whether it be you know, I know this is an Atlanta team, but like you think back to like the 2012 SEC championship game for Georgia. They could have been that team to upset Alabama to do that. And then they slip at the four yard line. Like, what is that? Where does that have it? And it's, I mean, so it's that type of feeling. You'd almost rather just be wearing bags on your head. I mean, probably not, but you don't go in with the expectation. It's the hope. It's the ripping it away. And that's what I cautioned Ovi with, um, you know, at the beginning of this season, because he started (sighs) letting everybody get into his head and and he started buying some of that well, they can make a push for that wild card spot. And he was like, I think 10 and seven. And I, you know, I told him it was foolish at that time because that's that hope. I predicted seven and 10, like a champ, like a true beaten down Atlantean. Uh, <laughs> that's spot on. I, was but, I had him. Sometimes though, these fan bases make for the best on Twitter. And, and I'm curious just because of, you know, the, the nature of where a lot of your interaction comes with, with the fan base. Like where do the Falcons fans rank among just, best worst funniest like you laugh at them all that stuff where do they they rank for you see i i, I think it's kind of funny because looking back i think that 28 to 3 might be like the best thing that happened to this fan base in terms of being funny. oh my god oh, no, 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 breaking no. that out it, that's our social clip it, it, no hold on hold on in, in one area just being funny on twitter yeah because you know I, like it, the, the funniest thing to me is I'll, I'll be on Twitter and, you know, I'll see some Falcons fans saying something and then, you know, someone else will respond 23 and be like, oh, haven't heard that one before. Right. Else you got for me? It's like, it's like, it's like you, you grow like a, a skin of like, you know, steel because there's nothing that someone can say to you. Nothing. That hurts you more than what the team has already done to you. Yep. So you know, like my, my friends would be like, oh, the Falcons suck. Like, yeah, I know, but I'm still be there Sunday one through four, Sunday four through seven, <laughs> Sunday eight through 11. If they're on, I'm watching and you can tell me they suck, but that's something I've already accepted in my heart of hearts and I can't argue <laughs> back with you because you can just point to the 28 to three sign blinking over my head, but I'm, I've come to accept that now. That's the biggest thing. Uh, I was telling uh, Will earlier in the season, you got to just accept who we are right now because if you, I'll be honest, initially I was part of that hopeful and really ambitious and thought we can win 10 games. But after I got my, my feelings hurt the first, second, third, fourth games, and I realized they are who they, who they are. Um, I was like, no, nope, that's it. Expectations are coming way down and I'm going to be real effing listic about what we can do, what we can't do. When you're realistic, you can't get hurt. You can't hurt me if, I don't expect much from you. And it's a sad thing, uh, but it's uh, a way for Falcons to guard their feelings. Now, some Falcons did it. A lot of Falcons didn't. They thought that this is going to be our year with Kyle Pitts. 
uh, doing Kyle Pitts things. And he did a lot of Kyle Pitts things, but we yeah. didn't have the rest, the defense and the Calvin Ridley and the whole bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, it was, the rest uh, of the yeah it's a process. Yeah, it's it's only January. Ovi. I, I give you a couple of months. You'll be coming around. Uh, you'll be, <laughs> nope, you'll be singing nope. a different tune. But, uh, <laughs> right here. Right here. No, I love that point, though, Charles, because it, it reminds me, uh, you know, you could go the real life version of this, but I'm going to make the Game of Thrones reference for for Ovi's sake over here. But in uh, in the first season, when Tyrion is kind of giving that that talk to to Jon Snow and saying, look, if like I'm a dwarf, I can't hide what what I am. Like if they call that, like wear that as your armor and it can't be used against you. So that's 28 mm. to three for, for Falcons fans. And it's Good. a little bit like in high school, the funniest kids are always the ones that got picked on a little bit and they had to develop that sense of humor as, as a way to combat that and go after everybody else. So there's something to it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that maybe something, some small good came out of one of the, the worst <laughs> moments of all of our lives. <laughs> yep. Coming up on the uh, five year anniversary next month. Is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. it's weird because like it, it seems like a, a lifetime ago and also yesterday at the same yes. time yes it really does That's <laughs> insane. all right um before before ov's gotta gotta bounce here let's get to a little bit of football talk what are your thoughts charles just on on kind of like the overall season uh this is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you this season and arthur smith Isle Pitts, like take it in whatever direction you want um floor is yours i, I think the Positive thing is they did something that they haven't been able to do in recent years, and that's kind of close out some of these close games. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, I think that that is a big sign of process progress for them. And I think, you know, you can kind of look at it two ways, two ways where uh, moving forward, it, just mathematically, like these games can be coin flips. Uh, I mean, you, you've we've watched them. You know, the last second drive to beat the Dolphins, game-winning field goals against the Saints and the Giants. So, I. Uh, you know, these games can be closely fought, but these are games that they've been losing for like two seasons straight. Um, And I think that, you know, as a, as just a team, just to kind of, I I hate saying this because I think like all NFL players are tough, but like having the toughness to kind of power through and finish uh, some of those close games in the end of the, uh, at the end of the game, when, you know, previous years, they were just kind of uh, rolling over and, and, and losing them. But, you know, I think what's concerning is, when they started playing these teams that, you know, make the playoffs or, you know, were knocking on the door to the playoffs, they were getting absolutely blown out. Like, so when you look at the point differential at the end of the season, you see, you know, they went seven and 10, but point differential eyes, like they're a similar teams like the Lions and, you know, yep. the Giants and, you know, and I don't, I don't think they're quite that bad because I think that having Matt Ryan gives you a faster floor to get up to uh, the next level than some of those other teams. But as a whole, don't think they're like quite as good as the seven and ten record would suggest, mm. but at the same time, uh, you won seven games. Frankly, that's more than I was expecting them to win this year. Just when you yep. look at uh, the depth problems on the offensive line and basically the defense outside of you know Grady Jarrett, AJ, and Foye, uh, they kind of need playmakers everywhere. So you know, I, I think from a coaching perspective, uh, it was cool to see them scrape out seven wins. But I think it, you can that's still that's the way I feel. Yeah. You can still like feel good about winning seven games, probably more than you should have, and still understand that this team has a long way to go before they're back to being like real consistent playoff contenders. Yeah, Charles, I got a question for you, um, and I, I want to ask you about everything because there's so much for us to fix. But as far as making us a contender <laughs> next year and making it a team that it's more enjoyable to watch rather than you know peeking through your fingers to see what's going to happen 
in uh, the Falcons uh, are losing this game, this day series. But offensively, running backs. I'm a former running back. Love the position. Been in several great running back meeting rooms. We had a very interesting running back uh, dynamic where the guy who we brought in to make the big plays, Mike Davis, didn't quite shine like we wanted him to. And the guy who we thought was just the afterthought, uh, Cordero Patterson, was doing big things. CP might not be here. Uh, he might be here. Who knows what's going to happen with free agency. Mike Davis, they're probably not sure if they want him or not. But what do you think the Falcons need to do on offense in that running back meeting room in order for us to be competitive next year? Well, I, I think getting CP back is huge. And like you said, it's so funny because I remember at, this, at the beginning of the season, they signed Mike Davis. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like every time I've seen Mike Davis play, like he looks good. <laughs> Beast. And then they signed Cordero Patterson and they were like, oh, we're actually we're going to do this thing where Cordero's actually just going to be a running back. And I was like, oh, OK. okay. So weird, right? So weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, all, right, all right. Like, you, you gotta, cool, cool. You're like, you guys got that 84 back there. I guess it's, it's fun for a team that's not going to be doing anything. And then, you know, by like the net, by like a, a month into the season, your reactions are flipped. Like when when Mike Davis gets the ball, you're like, oh, OK. And then when CP gets the ball, you're like, hell yeah, like, let's go. Uh, so I think getting CP back. Uh, is huge. I actually thought that Mike Davis had a pretty good like into the season. Uh, I when you look at the game against the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. I thought you know I guess especially against a, a run defense that tough. Like uh, I, I thought that that was kind of a growing moment for the entire run game. But you know I I think if you can get CP and Mike back for one more year and upgrade the offensive line because I don't really see really too many. I don't really see too many running backs like coming in here and having success. So where do you upgrade? Where do you upgrade the offensive line? What's your spot? Or spots? Yeah, first rounders are like from like left to right. Well, I, I think Jake and Chris Lindstrom are the keepers, right? Uh, and maybe you give Jalen Mayfield another year because he's such a young guy as a rookie and he was switching positions from right tackle to left guard, which is, you know, that can be tough. Like, because I remember, I mean, I only played D3 football, but I remember uh, like sitting on offensive line meetings and often the line coach described as like, you know, when you're playing tackle to guard, you're kind of moving from like a ballet to a barroom fight, like on the middle. And <laughs> at, at, it moves, it moves yeah. a lot faster. Uh, it can move a lot faster sometimes, you know, especially with some of those interior guys that you're going to see. So, you know, I'm willing to give Jalen Mayfield another, another year, but I, I, to me, I think the big, they got to get another center. And I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 cause I, I think that Matt Hennessy, has potential, but I think if you're going to be a starting center in the NFL, I would like to see someone who anchors a little bit better than he does. That's uh, fair. Because and, and it's not fair to compare him to Alex Mack because I think well, Alex it's Mack just is, not his game. I wonder. Right. I wonder how much the scheme change plays into that, and also because I think I'm willing to give Matt Hennessy a little bit more time than I would be maybe Jalen Mayfield. But I completely understand the reasons that you just laid out, and that's why I would be willing to give him another year. But that's interesting. I haven't. I don't think I've heard Matt Hennessy because I wonder how much Jalen Mayfield protecting that other side and trying to worry about him a little bit played into it. You know, I'm a little biased because I had one of the greatest centers in the world that wasn't even an all-worlder but got the job done with Todd McClure. Uh, yeah. Mud Duck was sneaky dominant as a center for Matt Ryan. For Matt being such a, a young quarterback at the time, you know, a rookie, uh, having Todd McClure there that didn't look the part, but absolutely yeah. play the part and was a nasty, dirty SOB that would protect Matt, you know, keep him clean and for run blocking, help but just pave the way. 
Like that's what Matt needs. That's what Matt hasn't had since Alex Mack was here. So these young guys <laughs> need to find a way to bring out those type of characteristics so they can make Matt feel comfortable that he's not going to get run through down the center. Yeah, I I, I think they just need, in general, a more stout interior would yeah. uh, make this go uh, a long way. But hey, I, like I I kind of take some of the optimistic view of it. You have a left tackle who's pretty good in Jake Matthews, and I think Chris Lindstrom has developed into like one of the better guards uh, in the NFL. But it's just kind of hard when you know you don't have guys that are always playing uh, up to the standard that we expect uh, around them. And you know, with McGarry, I don't really even know like. <laughs> I was about to, I was I about know, to I say they, they say you're doing a good job as an offensive lineman if nobody notices you. Nobody has noticed Kayla McGarry in two years. <laughs> he just he just is forgotten off of every conversation yeah, about it's yeah. like it's Chris Lindstrom to Jake Matthews and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. The McGarry thing to me is like I don't really care if he comes back or not. He's league I, average. Yeah, he's he's about league average, and I think the yeah. the big thing for them is in, is improving the interior. Uh, and I know that that's gonna be tough because they're kind of in cap hell again this year, um, and because they don't, they, I mean, because right now I think going into the off season they have like thirty five, forty players under contract, and then you know you only have what well, like thirteen million dollars in cap space, so that's not a great a great no. spot to be in. Uh, so it's yeah, it's gonna be tough to kind of maneuver. Uh, I got a hot take about this offseason that is going to make everyone sad. Uh, Ooh. Uh, Who we get rid of? Who we get rid of? 97, bro. I think he's gone. No. If I, I had to guess, if I had to guess it's, it's the easiest way to clear, because he's entering the last year of his deal. And it's the easiest way to clear cap. Maybe you can get a first-round pick in return. Personally, I would throw up at the idea, especially after trading Julio, but... When you just look at it financially, the easiest way to clear off like $15 million in cap space, which is also what Julio is counting against the cap for next year, a $15 million, like you can erase that by trading Grady Jarrett. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, the the cost of... Wow, that is a hot take. (laughs) The cost of Julio Jones was Grady Jarrett all along. Um, No, I mean, I had a similar thought like Mm. last year for a split second when I was just pouring over all of the and trying to make sense of... How do they make this work if they really wanted to? Like, what are some options we're not thinking about? And yeah, that, I mean, that would have been a year earlier, but it like Grady is probably the outside of now, like AJ Terrell and maybe Calvin, but like Grady Jarrett may have been their most valuable chess piece in terms of a trade. I think like a, a contender would look at somebody like Grady Jarrett and say, if we add them to our defensive line, you know, yeah. that could push us over the edge. They may be more willing to part with, a a low second and and maybe a fourth or something for Grady or send a player back uh, in return. Ovi, I know you got to hop, man, but thanks uh, thanks for hopping on with us. No problem, guys. La- last thing I got to say is that as much as I hate that, you know, I, I know Grady knows mom and you know great family, and he is a beast out there. But he's awesome. We can find a, a big fat guy to clog up the middle. We need defensive ends. So we're going to spend our money. We need a defensive end that can get to the quarterback. And Grady can get to the quarterback, too. It's just a lot harder and, you know, a lot less than a defensive end who's primed and ready to sack the quarterback. So as much as I hate that, there's a small chance that that might actually happen, which is scary and exciting. Very (laughs) scary. And I think this year for Grady, uh, I would say this is probably, like, the least talented defensive line he's been on since he's been here. And I think you see – 
you know, oh, for when, sure. when, I mean, you can, you can look at screenshots as a big like three blockers and on Grady and then no one else is winning. And that's a tough spot to, to put them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to just stick, you know, right there with the, the Grady conversation. Cause I, like, I don't think you may feel like that that's a, a move that would, the, it would behoove the Falcons to make, but it sounds a little bit more kind of like this would make sense. It's yeah. something we're not necessarily talking about right now. Like, we're all talking about Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, these these pieces. But yeah, Deion Jones is a player I think more people are thinking about than than Grady Jarrett. Yeah. And I think that that's in play. I worry that if Grady stays in Atlanta, he's in jeopardy of having a Jonathan Babineau type career where played on some really good teams early on. And then once mm-hmm. he really kind of started to develop into and hit his prime, it, it bottomed out a little bit and there were some rough years. <laughs> yeah. And then on the back end, Matt Ryan came back in and he... You know, he starts winning again, but he's a little bit older. He's not, but he gets some of that help around him. Um, I mean, worse careers to, and, and Grady's going to have a better career than, than Jonathan Babineau, I think, when all is said right. and done. I don't think it's something like, you know, going to happen. I just think, you know, it's on the table. Just when you look at how, yeah. um, like, it's, it's not going to be an easy offseason again for them. But luckily, this is like the last season that you got to kind of power through the mistakes of the last regime. Uh, because I think going to the next year, like they should be one of the most cap healthy teams uh, in the NFL because you're finally getting all these bad contracts uh, off the books. But, you know, if, if you still have to make a, a team for 2022, um, you're not working with much space. Unfortunately, that's like a really easy way to get that done. But I'm hoping for them, you know, I hope they finally show like some cap savvy uh, this offseason because I think if you can just hold on and put together a roster and get through 2022 and enter 2023 with Grady still in the roster, then obviously that's a much better spot to be in than trading him for an unknown draft pick. Yeah, it definitely is, Charles. If you don't mind, let me take one quick second to tell you guys about a uh, new partner we have here on this podcast, and that is NordVPN. Now, for those of you who don't know exactly what a VPN is, it's a virtual private network. And, you know, the cool thing about these networks is that they really can hide your IP address. And with that, all of your information that somebody might be able to access online through, you know, backdoor Wi-Fi's or public Wi-Fi's or things like that. And so what NordVPN will uh, offer you is the ability to really browse in secrecy, in private, truly be private and keep everything safe. On top of that, you can change your IP location to match pretty much anywhere in the world that you want to be. What this opens up to you is streaming of, let's say, the Great British Bake Off. Man, love the holiday time. Love watching, uh, you know, Paul Hollywood give out those handshakes. See, uh, see what Prue thinks of of the uh, bake. Is it crisp? You know, but I don't want to wait two days to to see the newest episode of Great British Bake Off. With NordVPN, I could see it live when it airs on Wednesdays in the UK. That is the power of this. And unlike other VPNs that will slow down your internet, NordVPN keeps everything running, baby. It is all smooth. So definitely check out NordVPN, guys, because you are not going to want to miss this. It is secure browsing. It stays fast. Um, So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe that is b-l-e-a-v once again b-l-e-a-v or use the code believe same spelling 
to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guaranteed. So guys, what are you waiting for? Check it out, NordVPN. All right, let's get back to it, Charles. Going back to Cordero for a second, because you made me think of this, and I think it's interesting. I weirdly almost would respect, I think, Harry Fontenot's approach to uh, this team building, roster building, almost if if he like didn't re-sign Cordero Patterson, which I know you just said that you, you wanted to have happen, and I do too, but kind of yeah. for the right price. And let's say, and I think that, I think Terry would say the exact same thing, but you know, when there's pressure from the public to kind of bring somebody back, when the fan himself is publicly lobbying, it, it was not only a Atlanta story, it became a little bit of a national story, was Cordero's like renaissance here in Atlanta. That can put pressure on an organization. And this is kind of the first beloved free agent that, that Terry was responsible for bringing in. So mm-hmm. letting go of Julio wasn't easy, but it was a little bit of a, hey, that wasn't our mess to clean up. You brought him here, and if you don't keep him here, I'm sure a lot of people would be upset about that. But I weirdly, I think, would respect it because it may show like the way that you lose a lot of that freed up cap space that you're talking about next offseason is by making deals like this, I think, that are going to be more expensive and you're paying for last year as opposed to maybe what you would expect moving forward. Yeah, I I, I think with, with CPAC, you know, in a perfect world, you know, you'd be able to resign him pretty easily. But yeah, you know, it, it's when, when you're a team that is, you know, tight against the cap while also still trying to make uh, moves forward and get better for next year, there are going to be some sacrifices. Um, and, you know, hopefully if you're, if Arthur Smith is because we think he is a calm place, uh, you can, you can replace some of that production, but you know, <laughs> there aren't many guys like who can, well, I'll, I'll put it like this. There are like, two guys in the NFL right now who can legitimately play running back and wide receiver. And the Falcons have one of them. And the other one is about to play in the NFC championship game for the 49ers. Uh, it's like Debo and CPAT, like that weird hybrid type of football player you're talking about. Yep. Isn't that definitely sucks. Uh, and I, I think it would also suck because Cordero has been very vocal that he wants to stay here. And, you know, I think he had the, his cleats on the week, the last week of the season. Why not retire in Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I hope they can get something done. But, you know, it, it, I think if they don't, it's not really an indictment on Cordero or Terry or the no. front office. Yeah. It's just this is the situation that you inherited. And uh, you got to figure out how to power through and put a productive product on the field for 2022. Completely agree. I, I think that's really well said and, and the right way to look at it. If they can't come to an agreement, you know, it's not that neither side wanted to or, you know, wanted one wanted to and one didn't. It, Sometimes it's, it's got to work for all parties. And yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it, what he brings on the field is incredible. So, yeah. And I, I think also from Cordero's situation, you have to look at it like this. You know, he's not a young guy. Uh, yep. He's going to turn 31 uh, in a couple of months. There's no reason for him to not cash in on this season that he just have, especially with, you know, I mean, he's at the end of his career being realistic with it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, as much as he might love the Falcons, I, I, can't really imagine a situation where, you know, if someone's offering him like, I don't know, like 30% more than what the Falcons are offering at this point in his career, it doesn't really make sense for him to turn down that money. If if Buffalo comes to Cordero Patterson and says, hey, we'll sign you to a two-year $19 million deal, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. 
Right. <laughs> you yeah. get a you get a chance to doesn't really matter what your role is, because I think the other people would say, well, he needs to stay here. It's the only place he's been an effective kind of offensive player. Cool. You got this. You always have this season. Like yeah. now go win a championship right. or something. And right. I, you know, I know it you would want to say you're optimistic. Falcons get a turnaround quick. Like it's not next year. Go if he can put himself in a better position and make more money, then God bless him. Uh, go yeah. go do it. That's but Let's uh, let's turn to to two players who I think a lot of fans don't want to see anywhere else next year. That would be Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. It seems like public sentiment may be moving in diverging directions with those two guys. It seems like more people are now discussing the possibility of Matt Ryan staying. Um, yeah, it'd be a big uh, kind of cap hit, but it's also a big dead cap. You'd free up like $8 million. If you did post-June, what is it, around fifteen? Um, yeah. So, so, you know, that that's that's feasible. But also, who's doing a post-June you know, one, if they drafted a quarterback, sure, that's in play, but I, I don't see that happening. So I, I, my gut right now is Matt Ryan's back. Calvin Ridley, even though nothing official has come out, we are starting to see some bigger names get into the rumor mill with Calvin Ridley and say, you know, they may be parting ways. What are your reads on, on those two situations? Um, Matt, I would be, I would be stunned uh, if he's not the quarterback for the Falcons this year. Um, even though, like, when, when you kind of do the math on the Matt Ryan stuff, there's a team out there that wants a quarterback. Like, trading for him financially can work out pretty well for you. Um, because, you know, I, 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 I don't quote me directly on this, but I want to say, like, it'd be 25 to $30 million per year for a team that trades for him. And, you know, that, that at this point, when we're talking about quarterback contract, yeah. that's like mid-tier, so... I did. I did the numbers on that recently, and it was he would be like the twelfth highest paid quarterback next season because a team would take on essentially the team would take on all of his um, like non guaranteed money. So all the roster bonus, all the signing bonus, the Falcons are all on the hook for that, and they would pay that basically at once once a decision was made either to release or trade Matt. If they traded him, you know what that team would be on the hook for everything that is his his salary and um any non-guaranteed bonuses which is like 23 24 million yeah uh so you know, i i actually think like the financials of trading for matt ryan like if you're a team like i don't know the broncos or the mm-hmm. packers need a quarterback uh <laughs> <laughs> um then you know that's something that like financial can work out for you i just don't know if like the timeline of the offseason makes that you know very likely that it happens uh and just also like when the Falcons say, you know, we want to keep Matt Ryan around, I I tend to believe them on that. Um, I do too. I, I think that, you know, you, you kind of have to look at the human side of this. Um, I, I think it's very reasonable for someone like Arthur Blank to be emotionally attached to someone like Matt Ryan because uh, I think you have to look at the time period that Matt came into the organization uh, and to be like immediately a stabilizing force for that. It's 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 kind of hard to just let go of like the the human side of that. And I, I think that yeah. Arthur, I think Arthur Blank wants a world where Matt Ryan retires as a Falcon. Um, and I think Matt does too. And Matt yeah, has I said, you know, this is a different situation than the Matthew Stafford Lions situation where it, you know, it kind of came out that Matthew maybe wanted to, to move on from the organization and be in a different situation. Every chance he's had, Matt has said, I, you know, I want to be here in Atlanta. Yeah. And, and just looking at the quarterback landscape, all right, let's say you, you let go of Matt Ryan. Like, you basically have two options. Like, either we're just going to 
full on rebuild and try to get someone else in here, maybe at a cheaper price. But you know, I think Carson Wentz, Carson But you know, I think if you're but somebody at, of that level, like that's right. you're going that route. Yeah, uh, but to me, like if you're going to move on from Matt Ryan, then screw it. Put Josh Rosen out there for 17 games, and then let's get back into the game in 2023 because I just don't really see another way where you know. I, look, I'm, I don't want to mess around with the Carson Wentz, like that level of quarterback. No. Like, Matt's better just, than those. Matt Ryan's better than those guys. Right. Just Agreed. keep your and guy like, and build up around yeah. it. Either keep your guy or tear the whole thing down. It doesn't seem like they're going to tear the thing down. So They would have done Matt, that last year. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and look at this quarterback class. Like If you wanted a guy, it was last year. Like, exactly. You don't, don't want to reach out eight for one of these guys that you know wouldn't even sniff the top guys last year. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think with, with Ridley... I don't know. Like, it's just to me, that's also a situation where it's been so quiet that people are, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, I will say this. I do appreciate the team being tight lipped about what's going on, because I don't think that, you know, you shouldn't be out here speculating about what someone's mental health may or may not be. But also the truth of the reality is like, we're what, like seven, eight weeks away from the start of the off season, six, seven, eight weeks away. Uh, and at some point, like these answers are going to have to start coming forward. Like yeah. one, do you want to be here? Uh, and if not, then two, like what it's going to be the next steps for us, because honestly, the, for the Falcons, you, you still have Calvin Ridley on the cheap. And we all know that at his best, he can be like a bona fide number one receiver in this league. So you can't let go of that for anything less than to me than like a late first round pick. Um, you know, I, I think he's as a trade asset, he's more valuable than Julio Jones was just based on time he has left uh, in the league. So, you know, if you're out here trading a second and a fourth for Calvin Ridley, that'll be pretty alarming for me just because he's not nearly as expensive as Julio Jones was. And he has, you know, hopefully a lot more football left to play. But, you know, I, I think when something is just so quiet for so long, you're just going to have to get, speculation police out there and, and figure out what's going on yeah i'm i was trying to kind of like game it out and in my mind think of how this could unfold because neither side neither calvin's camp nor the falcons you know you would maybe try to drum up interest on a player by getting their name out there but i don't think the falcons feel like they need to do that with calvin ridley i mean if no. if a team buys that you know he's okay he's, he's good he's all in you know upstairs like there's there's no reason to doubt anything he brings on the field. So like he's his value should be fine. If you're um, you know, if you're Calvin's side, I think that you wouldn't want to do anything to maybe hurt your reputation to cause, you know, you've already been kind of publicly out of the spotlight, if that makes sense. You, you don't necessarily need to give people more reason to question where your head's at, like what your motives are, things like that. So I think that they would maybe want to keep, and this is all speculation, but again, I'm just trying to think it through. I think the first thing that we would hear an inkling that maybe there's some truth to this would actually come from like a, I mean, obviously like a Rappaport, a Schefter, somebody like it would come from another team and it would be that the Falcons have maybe reached out or the agent is, is letting them know, Hey, we're starting to kind of do this stuff and they're putting out feelers. And that's when you would hear it kind of go back through the media cycle. And they would say sources, you know, have said the Falcons have reached out about trade pet or teams have inquired. And like, that's where all of this, I think starts, but it kind of feels like we may have a long way to go before that, that happens. Yeah. I mean, 
it's a weird situation. Like I think since that Dolphins game, Calvin's only been seen one time in public at the SEC championship game. So I, 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 I don't think anyone that's not Calvin or the Falcons or his agent can really say like what exactly is going on there. But, you know, if if they do get to a spot where, you know, Calvin says he's ready to play and wants to be on the team, that to me, that's more valuable than trading him for like an unknown first round pick. Like I I completely agree. Yeah. It's like the family guy meme. Like I can, you know, here's the boat. Uh, <laughs> or you can open the mystery box. And he's like, well, there could be anything in the box. It could even be a boat. Uh, and, you know, I'd rather just take the first, the Pro Bowl receiver yeah. that I know can get like 1,400 yards and carry an offense. Exactly. I mean, I, I completely agree with you there. And yeah, I mean, get, get Calvin back. I, I do think it's a big credit to him that he's been out of the spotlight, like you said. Yeah. You know, it's, it, he's been gone outside of one appearance. It's not like he's been drawing attention to himself. It's not like he's been causing any now maybe behind the scenes. He is, but at least publicly, not a damn peep. And and it doesn't seem like there's been any reason to believe anything behind the scenes is happening. So let's go from, you know, one already broken out uh, young player to one who just enjoyed their breakout season this past year. AJ Terrell. I mean, what, like, <laughs> what can you say about him? Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was frustrated that he only got eight all pro votes because God, it's insane. Uh, I know. Cause they just look at the interception numbers and basically the way you, you approach the Falcons defense is like AJ so good and everyone else is not so good. So why would, why would I throw it at AJ? Um, and like the few times that he does get paid, he gets it thrown on, like he made people pay. Uh, and I thought, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most impressive games he had this past season was in the snow, taking on Stefan Diggs. And yeah, that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the few games where they kind of switched the scheme up because usually he's on just like on the left side of the defense. But this time they had him following Stefan Diggs all over the field. And basically outside the first drive, he basically shut him down. And I know that uh, that's snow, but I think you have to understand playing in the snow, it's harder to move backwards as a defensive back than it is to move forward as uh, a wide receiver in those situations. So, you know, I I think AJ, I don't, I he's... <laughs> probably already one of the best Falcons defenders in like in this era of <laughs> yeah. uh, Falcons football. Like even if you just look at the metrics on PFF, you know, all the metrics that they love, like yards per coverage snap, he's way up there. Number one, way past everybody else. Uh, honestly, like one of the most efficient coverage seasons from a CB uh, in recent memory. And then even like with some of those touchdowns, like I think there's one versus Saints where you can even argue like whose responsibility it is for the touchdown. But yeah, it's it's just kind of funny because you know I was someone who was not excited for the pick when <laughs> they when they pulled it in because I just had like the nat or not the I guess, yeah it was a national championship game fresh in my mind where Jamar yep. Chase just uh, kind of blacked out on but then you know I went back and watched some stuff and I was like okay like you you see the movement skills you see the ball skills uh so like like I saw the path like where it was going to turn out to be a starting cornerback but I didn't see you know him being legitimately one of the most dominant man coverage guys in the NFL, which I think is just awesome to see. You just made me think of this and now I can't stop unthinking about it, but uh, do the Falcons, I can't remember off the top of my head, do they play the Bengals this year or is it? Um, is I, it know I, saw the, I know I saw, the, I know I saw they have the Ravens on their, uh, the Ravens on their schedule or their, their opponents for next year, but I didn't, yeah. I don't remember if it was the entire AFC North. I was like, cause I'm trying to remember when they've got like their next, um yeah the afc north because i mean talk yes they're playing the Bengals in cincy aj terrell versus jamar chase all right we're back round two (laughs) two. what's up (laughs) oh my god that's gonna be awesome i cannot wait for that game 
Yeah, um, and also it can't be worse than the last Cincinnati Bengals game between the Falcons and the Bengals, <laughs> uh, where Matt, I think he had like almost as many touchdowns as incompletions and they still lost. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh my God. I... Like, it's so weird when you play these AFC teams because it is just like usually once every four years, some of them. And so, yeah, you, you end up looking back at the history and it's like, wow, they've only played five times in the past 20 years. And like every single one of those games has been a blowout or whatever. Like, I mean, it's always weird with these AFC teams. Um, all right. Before yeah. we let you go, uh, some kind of rapid fire offseason questions, because we already got into that a little bit with Ovi. Um, but What do you think is going to be the most important for the Falcons to have success in 2022? Is it going to be free agency or the draft? Um, I I mean, cop out answer, but just a little bit of both. Uh, (laughs) That is a cop out answer. (laughs) I I know, I know it is, but you know, (laughs) well, you know, let me let me give myself a definitive answer. I'll say the draft because, um, like we said, you're not working with a whole lot of cap space, Um, and I actually think that this is one of those years where it might make, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to move down this year. Um, and I, I think if you were, if I was presenting a case to the Falcons front office, I think I could make um, a bit more convincing case to trade down this year, perhaps in last year, because look at eight, the eighth pick, you're not picking, you know, a Kyle Pitts. Like obviously, you know, there are going to be good players at that spot in the draft, but you know, I'm not looking at a situation where, I watch Kyle Pitts play and I'm like, oh my God, I, I have to have this guy on my team. Like I know he's a tight end. I know it's fourth overall, but this is a pterodactyl and I need him on my team. Uh, I think at eight, you know, you're still looking at good players, obviously, but now you're getting to the situation where would a team want to jump up for like a cornerback or a team want to jump up from an offensive tackle? Like, I think you're, I think the, at eight, like the positions that teams are willing to trade it's, up. It's for, where the run is going to happen. Right. It's where the, it's where the run on trade starts to happen. I yep. think, you know, even last year in the draft, you saw two division rivals, the Eagles and the Cowboys flip for Micah Parsons and uh, Devontae Smith and the Giants were trading down in that area, too. So, you know, I think that that like eight to 12 range, seven to 13 range is where you start to see the trades pop up because teams are more willing to trade up into that space of the draft for teams that for positions that aren't quarterback. Uh, and if the Falcons aren't going to take a quarterback. I think that this is a spot where they can trade down because I think one thing that teams like the Falcons have to think of the draft as is a way to add cheap contracts to your team. Uh, not just, not, not just like getting like, yeah. good players is obviously important, but like, right. But you need control financially for a right, few years. Right. Yeah. And like quite literally they need people to come fill out this roster. Uh, like they just need bodies on the roster uh, before they can even really start thinking about like a final 53, because they have work to do before they can even put like a top 50 together. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, this is a prime spot for them to trade down, add some uh, add some talented players in the draft. And I know that this gets said a lot, but this is one of those drafts to me, like, where if you don't have a top five pick, you're not freaking out because it seems to me like, you know, you have your Aiden Hutchinson's, the Bidos, Derek Stingley's. But outside of that, it's a whole lot of guys that I think are kind of interchangeable. So I think you can drop down from, like, let's say eight to 13 and still get a guy that's really hiring it. Sounds like you're making a really strong case to just trade it all and go up to number one. Go get Aiden <laughs> Hutchinson. Just, why get another was, guy when I you can go get that. the guy? <laughs> I was down for that when it was Chase Young. Uh, I okay. don't know. But, you know, I, I think this team's a little bit too far away. I, uh, I agree. It, yeah. It, it is it enticing, was, though. It's pretty enticing. <laughs> I, no, I think it's exactly very smart. I mean, 
kind of that eight to 12 range, maybe even a little bit earlier. Like it varies from draft to draft, but you know when the runs are about to happen. And I think that's the thing where it's really hard to tell on January 25th, mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of where the position stack up, which team needs and like where that run will play out. But I think that the Falcons are actually really in a good prime position to either stay put and maybe a little mini run happens in front of them and somebody slips, you know, yeah. few spots and you you can grab a Jalen Waddle or something like if, if Calvin's gone, you know, that changes a lot of things. But um, all right. So last thing, looking through my notes, we actually hit a lot of the offseason stuff earlier with Ovi. So final thing, because the news broke today, Sean Payton retiring. How does that impact the <laughs> NFC South? I know, man, I was I almost it like if if he had lost, he was an onside kick away in the Super Bowl from me just uh, tweeting the, the choke gif at him and being like your career. But yeah, um, he got the one ring. So couldn't do it. <laughs> but, but what does this mean for the rest of the NFC South? And then coupled with Tom Brady rumors about potential retirement, and we could have a huge swing in the power structure here, potentially. Yeah, potentially. Uh, one domino's fallen with Sean Payton being gone. And I think when you look at the state of that offense, specifically where they are at quarterback, they still have a lot of money invested in the Taysom Hill. Uh, which I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. I and think he's gone day one. He's probably gone pretty soon, especially now that Sean's He's probably like here. just getting a ride with Sean wherever he's, <laughs> hey, you, where are you heading back to? You going to Dallas? Uh, drop me off. All right, cool. <laughs> but but like, they, still have, they still have a pretty far way to go on offense. And, you know, I, I, I know that you can kind of look at, I, I think, you know, one thing with the Saints and them being like a capital every year is like cap hell. Uh, every year is they've done a good job of structuring this so uh they can get out of it fairly easily at the start yeah. of the off season um and but you know at, at at some point you know you're just playing so close to the brim like your cup is like always at the top you know you're barely <laughs> overflowing every year and i think that this roster is just not as good as we've seen in years past uh especially at quarterback and you know losing sean who is someone who all right, we can maybe scrape together, you know, nine wins with Taysom yeah. Hill and, and Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Uh, that's a big loss uh, for the Saints. We'll, we got to see what they decide to do uh, to replace him. I don't know if it's going to be like Pete Carmichael getting promoted from offensive coordinator, what have you, because he's been there basically as long as Sean has. Uh, so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. But with Tom Brady, uh, I don't believe he's going to be gone because I, 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 I kind of don't I, either. I literally will not believe that Tom Brady is done playing football. <laughs> he's giving his Hall of Fame speech. Uh, but if he leaves, Bruce Arians, he like, I don't know how much face value to take from a post-game press conference. Probably not all that much. But, uh, you know, Bruce said that he would be okay running it with Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert. I don't necessarily believe him. Uh, but... Uh, you know, that's something that's on the table for the Bucks. So like if you're looking at a, a 2022 NFC South, the Panthers are barely a functioning organization at this point. Uh, the Saints have their head coaching gone. And just for the sake of this argument, we'll talk, we'll say that Tom Brady has retired and moved on and the Bucks are, you know, playing musical chairs at quarterback. They're still uh, a good enough defense right. and they're it's, still it's, good it's, enough pieces. Yeah, they still do have, definitely have a lot of pieces. But, you know, if you're looking at a, quarter, a team quarterback like Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Or Carson Wentz. Or Carson Wentz. Like, <laughs> I'm I, getting I, Carson Wentz onto all 32 <laughs> rosters. I'm not stopping until it happens. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think this is a situation. I, I, let me say this. I think this is a situation where the Falcons should be 
gunning for at least second in the NFC South. Because I think that puts you in position to get back into the playoff hunt. And quite frankly, it's a pretty weak division as it stands right now. And if it loses Tom Brady, you know, I, I think that the Falcons should be pretty aggressive in trying to figure out how to win the division and being able to host a playoff game this next postseason. I, I actually completely agree with you. I mean, when you break it down and you do start looking at it piece by piece, you know, taking back everything that I said earlier to Ovi and just giving him crap about being hopeful, uh, there is reason to be hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be like, I think uh, my buddy Derek Klassen tweeted at me uh, about like if Tom Brady retires, he was like, you know, I want to see the Falcons win the division at eight and nine. Hey, let's, let's do go. it. Let's be the best of the worst. <laughs> hey, two years in a row, back to back, best of the worst champs. There we go. You heard it here first. We'll make t shirts. Um, awesome. Charles, this was so great. Thank you for agreeing to hop on with us and, uh, and chat about Falcons football. Um, not always the most pleasant conversation to have, but this was a blast. And please, again, let everybody know where, where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Four Verts. Uh, you can find me, me, my buddy Justice. We're going to start up doing this Set in the Edge podcast again, or at least, you know, doing our little Twitter spaces more frequently because it's been uh, a lot of fun. Catch me on, you know, for the win USA today. I I do another podcast there called The Counter with my buddy Chris Corman, and then we have like videos that go up on the site uh, occasionally. And you know, we'll be just grinding and pushing through the last few weeks of the season, and then I'm gonna log off for like two weeks and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's right into the draft again, man. Yeah, it right never back stops. To the combine and draft stuff. Machine keeps rolling. But uh, thanks again, man. And uh, we'll let you get back to uh, to your evening. Yep. Thank you again to Charles McDonald for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to continue to bring you all the great content throughout the offseason. We'll get you know into all the draft stuff, free agency when that hits, and you will have a new show on your feed wherever you listen to podcasts Monday morning. Um, so we'll have plenty of time throughout the week to bring on guests, come up with interesting ideas. If you guys have any suggestions, if you have any ideas, a topic that you think is being undercovered or you just want to hear us uh, kind of talk about and share our opinions on, then hit us up. Let us know. Shoot me a note on Twitter. Same with Ovi. I'm always happy to hear from you guys. Today's podcast was presented like all others by Bet Online, And yeah, I mean, that's it. Please let everybody know that they can continue to find Falcons content. I know it's not the most exciting time for it, but eh, we're, we're going to be around. Uh, so let them know about us and please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. But most importantly, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.